1: that's what I do. I am deeply protective. of. I see time as my number one currency.
0: Welcome to Hustle & Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Dana Cadwell. And I'm Jenna Parks. Courtney is taking a sabbatical this season to focus on her personal life and family. But as we know, the show must go on. Luckily, Courtney and I have been supported by a community of honorary sisters throughout our careers, and Jenna is one of them. So this season,
2: Dana will be joined by a new honorary sister each
0: episode, and I'm honored to be the first. And this year, we're talking with our guests about three important topics in the entrepreneurial journey. First one was team building, work-life balance, and how to recover from tragedy, both in business and in life. It's time to talk about work-life balance. And today, we are talking all about balancing being a parent and an entrepreneur with Megan Ely, owner of OFD Consulting. Megan combines in the trenches of inexperience with a love of wedding PR to empower her clients to take their businesses to new heights. Her team's publicity efforts are regularly honored by the Public Relations Society of America, and most recently, Megan was named the SNACE Speaker of the Year. As a longtime industry speaker and writer, she is a wedding pro educator with the Knot and Wedding Wire, as well as a regular contributor to Wedding Planner Magazine, Catersource, and SpecialEvents.com. Megan currently serves as a 2023 International Immediate Past President for WEPA and is a member of the Ally Council for the National Society of Black Wedding and Event Professionals. Welcome to the show, Megan.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Longtime listeners, so it's always fun when I get to actually be on the other side of it.
0: That is so true. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. I know. You're on this side of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I know. We were just saying how it's less pressure to host it than to be on it. Like you don't have to repair quite as much. That's right. Yeah. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, just to dive in before we kind of get into our topic, we just want you to tell us a little bit about your background and kind of why you started your business and kind of what it's about
1: sure absolutely so I'm Megan Ely as you said so I'm owner of OD Consulting we are a wedding PR agency so I have been a small business owner for just over 14 years I made my way down so I'm from the north Yankee by by birth and made my way to the south to Virginia for school loved PR but also loved events and so over the years I did I actually worked in venues so Dana you and I have mm-hmm. you know we've got that commonality there where I worked in venues for a long time, but always wanted to go back to the world of PR. And um, today I'm sipping on my coffee, not wine. So the story is going to be tell- told just as a very straight and narrow, listen, I'm, I changed jobs. I went for this big gig, director of catering to make loads of money and save up so I could start my own PR agency and plans have a way of changing. And the polite thing I'm going to say is it simply didn't work out and I left, First time I ever really just <laughs> quit with nothing, just had, uh, just had signed uh, for a mortgage for a house with my now husband. Mm. And the plans changed and made the decision to start OFD about two years earlier than expected in the middle of a recession, as one does. And that's how that all got started. So I'm here in Virginia now, but we service and work with people, including Dana, all over North America and also Western Europe.
0: So is it going to take wine for you to tell us the not polite reason why it didn't work out? No,
1: I'll tell you this guy was a complete a-hole. No, absolutely. <laughs> so I was actually like, it doesn't take anything to get me to talk sure. about it. Really. No, it, it, but I think it's an interesting story in the in terms of standing up for mm-hmm. yourself. I worked at a five-star property, had done very well over the years there. I'll be perfectly honest. I, I was a killer at the review time and all this stuff did well. And I had been courted for years by this other brand and we had been friends and I was only going to make the move during such a time if it was really going to mean a lot of different things. So we did these extensive interviews and it was a very different kind of gig. It went from five star to not five star. I got my start there. I was, this is 2009. I was offered six figures at 27 in Richmond, which was probably one of the highest paying Director of Catering Jobs at the time. Uh, But it wasn't just about the money. There was a lot promised to me there, you know, opportunity. And I started there and I worked for someone who, in the most polite terms, he was very unstable in a lot of different things in his life. Um, He kept cameras on us. He was watching us at all times. It was very weird. It was freaky. He would go into fits of anger. He never did anything. Let me be clear. It never directed towards me, but I saw the writing on the wall. I later found out he actually locked a chef in the freezer one time when he was upset with him. He went to jail for beating up his wife later And none of this was directed towards me, but I saw the I saw the anger. I grew up with anger. I knew Mm. what anger looked like. And um, he was unstable. If he didn't take certain medications, he just flew off the handle. And after three weeks, I went to my fiance now husband. Spoiler alert! (laughs) And said, "I I have I'm almost I had some panic stuff when I was a kid, and I could feel it coming back. And I'm like, I can't stay here. He's dangerous. I'm scared of him. Like in the long run. And I'm I'm a ball buster. Mm, Like I don't." It takes a while for, and I'm from the North, right? Mm -hmm. It takes a little bit more for us to, and no, I put in my notice. I worked two more weeks and I fled. I was like, and then later that's when he got jailed. I mean, he was an awful man. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's the real story of it. I
0: think that's super interesting because, you know, we are talking about like work-life balance and how just from the very beginning you have protected, you know, that, life essentially like that you've said okay even no matter you're making six figures you're doing a job even maybe you really loved the job but it just wasn't worth what it was the toll it was taking on your mental health and whatnot you're like this isn't for me
1: yeah I had to build a life to be very like very candid with you guys it It took a lot to build the life I had in my 20s and 30s, mentally break free from things, traumas, things like that. And so I I just had no room to let that back in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It just, that was the thing. But I also had the support of Travis, right? I mean, I went to him and we did a spreadsheet. I I ended up taking a, I turned down a full-time job and took a part-time job at an association management firm. And we did the numbers and I was going to be negative every month. And I was Mm -hmm. bawling. Like I, but he was like, I can help for a while, which is someone who's very independent, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously I hated that idea, but it was what it was, you know?
0: So you started your business, obviously wildly successful, right? Um, (laughs) Very different avenue than working in venues. Um and how far into your business was it when you became a mom?
1: Okay, so I started in 2009. I became full time after a year, thanks to um, some really great support with Score. I always like to give them a shout out because mm-hmm. it was a free business coaching that like helped me get to you know a year and make it full time. And then I had Oliver, who's now 10. I had him in 2013, so I had the business for four years. Mm-hmm. That was very. Like, I love children, and but I was like, there ha- it can't be perfect, but there has to be a point where I'm a little more stable.
0: Yeah. How long into your business was it when you had CC? I came back to work with my mom in 2010
2: and I became a mom in 2015.
0: Okay. So, yeah, similar trajectories there. Yep. What about being a mom has helped the business side? Like, what kind of have you pulled over into the business side?
1: You know, I would say, well, patience. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, the ability I'm not great at adapting. I, I'm very good at thriving in an organized environment. But when things change, I have to really it takes a lot of energy for me to adapt even to the smallest things. And Oliver came, he came full term, but he came three weeks early mm-hmm. on Easter, which I was supposed to host. So it goes to show that you know, I'm not the only act in town anymore. <laughs> like he really was kind of calling the shots. I would say also. The ability to stay. I was organized already, but with that came more of a hyper organization, especially going into the pandemic with virtual school. I was able to squeeze more out of 60 minutes than I ever could. I thought I was great at that. And then I was like, oh, I'm at like a superhuman level now because I had to... Do several hours of virtual school a day, plus run a full time gig in a crisis, you yeah. know, all of that. So I would say those are the biggest things. Also, you know, it, what's interesting. So I, and I am very open about this. So Oliver has ADHD and we discovered this very early on. And during all the testing, my husband's like, wait, I have this too. So I, which is like such a common thing that you don't hear. Like, you're like oh, I've heard this story. And so what's interesting is a high level of entrepreneurs also have ADHD, I tend to attract a lot of clients and members who have ADHD. And I think that I've learned to kind of become this hub of communication, organization. So it's it's less about Oliver, more about being planted in this wonderful family full of uh, people who don't pay attention to me. So... <laughs> I mean, they don't. It's fine. (laughs) But it it really, it changed my communication style. It changed how I adjusted things. It it really did make a huge impact on how I run my business. Mm -hmm.
2: I can relate to the efficiency comment. It is amazing how much you can get done in 60 minutes Mm -hmm. when you have to. Yes
1: one of the biggest things that we've done over the years with the OFT, we're about to do it again. We're actually in the throes of it right now is we really look at all of our systems and processes. We see where, where, um, you know, where technology is like right now I'm in the middle of working with someone to create zaps from Zapier to automate things even more um, for for us. And I don't think I would have challenged myself in that way. If I didn't have a child that I wanted to be a big part of his life and his school, you know, so that really has influence that.
0: I was in college or something doing psychology and they were saying how st- there are some people that when they get under pressure they fall apart like they don't know where to start they have like that kind of like failure to even like stay motivated but there's people that when they have so much on their plate they're actually more productive and more efficient and that's totally me like when I have too much time I, I'm, I procrastinate because I'm like, I have time. It's fine. Watch Gilmore Girls again. Right. Like, let, let's just hang, you know? Totally. <laughs> but when you're like under pressure and you feel like you have all these things due, you're like, now every minute is is, is calculated into it. But it's hard to thrive in that for long periods of time.
2: Absolutely. For 10 years before we sold our publication to a larger media group, my mother and I single-handedly produced a giant publication every year. So production season was about three, four months of literally working 24-7. I was very bad at setting my own boundaries back then. (laughs) But I kind of would be addicted to the flow. And that's when my creativity would really, really soar. Like the more work I was doing, the more ideas I would have. But then at the end of production, every year I would crash. (laughs) I would just totally crash and December, I basically did nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do that anymore.
1: Yeah. But I have a lot more support during production right. season now. Right. So, but yeah. You draw boundaries better, I think too. I think as we get older, I think again, you don't have to have kids to be able to draw boundaries. And now as we our busy seasons, the opposite where it's like the, when the wedding pros are super busy, it's quieter for us. And when they aren't busy, they're like, I have thousands of weddings. So now we build in and we have the historical data to to back us on that. So now, yes, I'm just like you, Dana, but I've also learned to build in, you know, okay, we're blocking off and I'm not doing a thousand appointments during this time. You know what I mean? So I get that. Yeah, It's actual work to create a life in which you have boundaries. Oh, It's a process.
0: I would say it takes therapy and... (laughs)
1: Yes, for sure. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> to get yes, there. ma'am. You no, know, it does. And I think it takes being surrounded by people who properly are building boundaries for themselves. I have a lot of I talk a lot with um Michelle Loretta. I know we mutually know what B Sage. Uh she's a tremendous person. She's a tremendous human, business owner, mom, friend to me, all the things. And uh, you know, great example is. I've seen her take off chunks of the summer before, and she does a really great job with that. And so a year ago, I started talking on Voxer with her about it. And now I come in and ask questions. I brought in someone to help. And now I'm taking two weeks off in August just with Oliver. I mean, listen, ladies, I have only traveled once without a laptop. It was for my 10th wedding anniversary. I I, I, Even when I take time off, I'm like, you can text me. But like this is legitimate time where I need to step away. And I think when you surround yourself by... People who are doing it in some aspect or another, you can learn a lot from them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, on that note,
2: uh, it's wonderful to have the two week vacation, but in your day to day life,
1: do you have a self care routine outside of family and work? I do. Here's the thing I, I think people would be surprised to know I do get eight hours of sleep a day. That that, that does Ooh, shock people. That is know, shocking. See, I, <laughs> yeah, no, I can't understand. I see these amazing people on TikTok who get up at three and they're like, oh, my body only needs five hours a night. I was like, given the chance I'd sleep 10, like given the chance I'm a sleeper, and I think it's just because the frenetic pace I like move my day. In um, most times, I do. I'll be honest. At at, at the age of forty two, I'd like to think I've I've worked hard towards that, um, making sure I take care of myself. I actually have a t- I have a tattoo. You can see here. I had a really you know cool experience a little over a year ago. Seventy five hard challenge with a bunch. It was me and a bunch of like Dallas wedding pros, which is funny because I'm not in Dallas, but they're all friends and they're all good friends now. And we had to do like hundred ounces of water a day and two workouts a day and all this. And it was really a mental challenge to show even during your busiest times, so you can make time for yourself. And so when I was down there on the last day, I flew in for our last um, our last thing and then our last exercise. And then we went the next day and did a, we did a fundraiser together. We climbed the stairs of the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, which is as painful as it mm-hmm. sounds. On the way to the airport, a couple of us got tattoos and it just reminds me. So do I have self-care? I do my very best right now. I am not used that Peloton is a little dusty, but but I do get my water in. I'm protective of getting my steps in. I get my sleep. I take my vitamins because all- Hulk <laughs> Hogan told me to all those years ago. So I do, but there's definitely room for improvement. Yeah. I think that what's so
0: hard as a parent in, in this day and age, and I, I was talking to my mom about this and she was just like, had no idea. What I was like, had no, not the same experience because we are surrounded by social media like we're surrounded by these unrealistic expectations that people put and I I had to block certain like uh accounts because there'd be these moms that would like everything was celebrated like something in January something in February something in March and they'd have all these like crazy things I'm like how do you have the time to do
1: this and I'm just gonna lady can I just say it a lot of them also yes it's a mom being a job Mm -hmm. yes it's being an influencer being a job but they're at home all day right they don't have like mm, yeah you're (laughs) right it's frustrating but I'm also like yeah but your whole life Mm -hmm. is to do that right 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 right. but like that's great great. did you ever
0: (laughs) did you ever struggle with that like as a beginning parent because I think you know 2013 is like kind of the start I think when Instagram really started kind of I mean, it took off before, but I think it started becoming more of a thing because I think it became less of a picture platform and more of a social media platform um, that, and even maybe like you saw moms that were business owners and had this like unrealistic, unreal, unfiltered view of the world. Like, is that something that you ever like struggled with?
1: You know, in some ways, yes. Here's the thing. I don't play the comparison game. I just don't, you know, for most of it. I, where I struggle the most and we're in our like super candid space here, I like, in an area of time. We moved for schools for Oliver because of his needing an IEP and stuff. And I moved to an area where it's still very common to have stay-at-home, I'm going to say moms, parents, but but in this area, statistically stay-at-home moms. That's, I think, where my problem was because I see people who, oh, and we have this and this and this and all these things. I'm like, well, yeah, if I didn't traditionally work and I was home all day, I'd have a theme every day of my goddamn life. <laughs> I'm cute. <laughs> me at home all the time like the thing I would I do I would. <laughs> oh I would I would lean into it that's amazing but but I look at it and it's just I and I, and it was that was where my struggle was I see all people on all the things and all the things and I think to myself a couple things one it's not realistic two I can't imagine being at Like I, I look at those lives and there really wasn't a jealousy because I'd never want to be them. You know what I mean? Like my brain needs to be challenged in this way, not in a, what sort of theme can I do? Like I. No offense to them. Sure. It's just not for me. So the jealousy went away very quickly, but they, sometimes there's a bit of a, mm, I wish I could do that. But then, you know, I think about it is I built a life. Like I think about when I was in a hotel, no way I could have been room parent. No way I could have been the things that I am now. So I have to be happy with the hybrid that. I have, right? I just, you know, and you know, it's really cute. I I had two things happen to me. One, a friend of mine back in the, Jen McBride said years ago when Oliver was a baby, she's like, you need to, he needs to see mama bear working. Like it is good for kids to see their moms or parents. I should say, I don't mean to not be gender neutral, but she was speaking to me directly like mom's working. And then about a year ago, my husband came home and told me he had overheard Oliver talking to his friends and Oliver, my son said, my mom owns a company. She is the boss. She can't be fired. Like he is bragging on his mom. He is like, people know her in the wedding industry. Like he just really was proud of that. You know, I've worked really hard to build him into, he comes to some of the conferences, he sees what we do. He's completely unhappy with my YouTube presence. I'll be honest. <laughs> Like that means a lot to me, you know what I mean? So yeah, so that was a long answer, but I just, the Instagram people, I don't pay mind to, but yes, I do in my space, but I knew it was coming. And when push comes to shove, I never wanted their lives. So I'm like, well, this is the life I was given, you know? I totally,
0: totally relate to that. I think I, I struggled more with the social media side of it. And I just had to kind of silence it. But being like, once the kids get into elementary school and like middle school, and there's so much, and there's so many opportunities. And I appreciate the opportunities the schools give. And, you know, we switched to a private school last year. So think about what a public school does and multiply that by 100 is what private schools do. Like all the time. Like all the time. They like want you to come eat lunch with your kids. They want you to volunteer yep. here, volunteer there, like all of this stuff. And a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure, you know, and every now and again, the kids will be like, are you going to, are you going to come to lunch? You're going to do this or whatnot. And then sometimes I'm like, I can, sometimes I can't, very rarely I can. But I, same, like I was very much like, I stayed home for six months with Ada and I hated it. I cried every day. I
1: can't imagine you staying home. I could imagine you staying home and crying every day, but I can't I did. imagine I'm so sorry. I just, you, you, you are a force. I can't expect you to be
0: at It's just, I think, yeah, it was so hard. And I think that this is something that I've struggled with, you know, is that you, so my whole life I wanted to be a teacher, right? I wanted to be an educator yeah. and I spent four very hard years in college getting that degree, getting two degrees, getting a teaching licensure. I taught, I realized year one, I hated it and I wanted to quit, but I, you know, finances couldn't do it. So then we had Ada and we're like, hey, this is an opportunity. Sam was making enough for us to stay afloat. But I mean, like we're talking like hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck, trying to make it work because I thought that's where I should be. I was like, I don't love my job and I feel like I want to raise my my kid. I don't want someone else to raise my kid is what you heard all the time, right? And I hated it. And there was a a morning and it it wasn't because I hated being home with her. It was because I realized I don't know who I am. Like I'm not this person that I've trained to be, that I went to school for. I am now this literal cow that's being like milk is being sucked <laughs> out of
1: me. Like yes, That was the worst. Like, can I get an amen? Can I say something really quick too? Yeah. You know, the only place that treated me well when I was nursing and working only place NACE triangle. I'm going to really? put that on there. I don't want to, I don't want to deviate. I just want to do a quick shout out. Only people who understood being a working mom and having to nurse and be a speaker. So side note. Yeah, yeah. you know what? You didn't know who you were. You right. were, you and I were both farm animals, yeah. basically.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> I think it's just this weird identity crisis like that you have when you become a parent. And and when you're, and it's, it's like this, and I struggle with this. It's like this conflict of values, right? Like I value mm-hmm. being a mom. I value being present. I value being the one to be in my kid's life, but I also equally value- my success and my aspirations and my dreams and sometimes those things are in conflict and i feel like as mm-hmm. women we are told it has to be one or the other like we can't have both right absolutely right. we're we're in a very exciting time of
2: history yeah. where women are reclaiming mm-hmm. our our natural creativity mm-hmm. and our place in work as leaders mm-hmm. Yet we are still carrying the most part, the biggest part of the burden
1: of the child rearing. Right. Um, well and the guilt. I, the yeah. guilt. I say, let me jump in on that. I've got to tell you, I'm gonna now here's another shout out. My husband Travis, we are are we ever 50-50 at the same time? Rarely, but we are always one plus one equals like a hundred with us. There is I learned early on, and I it was before those articles really succinctly talked about in TikTok too, right? About mental load, what you said. But before that was a thing. once I saw the article, I'm like, this is how I feel. So years ago when I started my own business, right? And I was making less than Travis. And I and at, before I was making more than him. And now I'm like, oh, great. Now I'm like literally taking our money. And I felt over the years, because I made less, even though I worked more hours, I should just do more around the house. And that just perpetuated. And he didn't know, well, ADHD, he didn't notice. And I just kept doing it until I had Oliver and it just got worse and worse. And we finally had to sit a sit down because at this point, I I had counted... How much more he had put into the till and had written a check and put a principal on our, on our mortgage of that amount. Like, so I was like, and it wasn't for, he didn't ask me to do that. It was mentally for me to know that we were back on like firmatera. you know what I mean with that? And so you, we, we go ahead, we do the thing, but we mark, start writing down all the things. We are at a point now where we do a family meeting. It's a business meeting, but for our family every week. And what it does is it, all the load is on there and we go splitsies on it. Doesn't mean I do 50-50. Sometimes I do 70, he does 30 or vice versa. But I will say we are in an age where, we, you know, there are partners out there willing to look at the landscape and say, you're doing, you're doing too much, mm-hmm. you know? So I just want to give Travis a shout out because this morning I told you guys, I'm all sweaty getting on here. We, it, it I don't, y'all, summer camp. No, you know, we learn about baby CPR and all the things. No one talks about summer <laughs> camp and the, trials of summer camp (laughs) with like our, our like Nissan place (laughs) is they, right. The place places are dining room table where all this stuff goes or summer camp. And on Wednesdays they do barbecue and we don't bring his lunch and we forgot his Adderall. Travis brings them. It's a 45 minute round trip. He brings them down. He writes me with a bunch of bad words saying we forgot the Adderall. Mm -hmm. Well, we looked at our calendars. I had that. He's got to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got to do it. And so Shout out to to the partners out there who see that. It, it, but do you know what that means? Is he's going to have to work later, so I'll pick up Oliver and I'll make dinner. You know. Right. So, yeah, um, oh, yeah. Bravo for the oh,
2: the yeah. great partners. Yeah. I I totally respect that, and I think that that is true. I know so many women who have wonderful partners. I think it's more mm-hmm. our intrinsic mm-hmm. guilt mm-hmm. that as women we put on ourselves. And even back to the social media point, I've never really felt jealous of the quote-unquote stay-at-home mom social media people. But the people who are apparently doing it all, Mm. being the boss lady and raising perfect children, because that's what I want to be. And that's out there, too. Mm. And there's something about—it's not just the social media. It's just Mm. something about our culture and our society, where as soon as you become a mom, you seem to have this— guilt. Yeah. That comes along with it. Mm-hmm. Like the, the invitations to come to lunch at right. school. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have to say yes to
1: all of that. All of it. Yeah. Can I just, if I may for a second, jump in on, on this, where I struggle, and this is where it's going to get a little controversial because I've dealt with this. I'll, I'll spill a little bit of tea of my drama room parent this year is because I feel that at the end of the day, yes, we do get the pressure. And then we, you know, we, we over say yes. And then we fall into the hot mess mom trope, which I have officially unsubscribed to. Like I can't. So for me, I think it goes back to the talk with Dana about building boundaries. We can't say yes to everything at school. And I see the parents that do, and then they fail the other parents. Like it just becomes because we're just so stretched. And so for me, I've built boundaries and you have to work through the, you know, because I'm room parent and I volunteer in a very specific way there. And I work, I do 150%. And yeah, some people go, oh, I wish I could be, you know, I'm unapologetic. I know what I focus on and that's what I'm good at. But you don't see me shelving books in the library because I don't, to, I would be bored stiff. I just would be bored and I can't do that. I want to be with the kids. But I I would, this is kind of a warning too, for people who, to your point here, Jenna, they're like, I have to do all the things. But then they come in and they do it half ass and it messes up for the rest of us just trying to to get by. My co-room parent quit on me the day of an activity while I'm stuck in Orlando airport because she totally messed up and I gave her the business. I've never done that before. I was nice and patient all year, gave her the business and she quit on the spot. And I was like, this couldn't have happened at a better time. Thanks so much. You know who took over? My husband. My husband Aww. ran the agreement. <laughs> but it just goes to show we stretch ourselves. And I would warn people out there, there are unintended consequences to stretching ourselves out. Because then, then we do, for the rest of us trying to build boundaries, we make it hard on, on I, you know, I, I don't harbor any ill will towards this person. But she made my life so hard this year because she said yes, went out of guilt. Like, because she, she, yeah, she made it terrible for me. So, well, I don't know.
2: it goes to the lesson of so many of the the podcasts that you guys have hosted here on Hustle and Gather, where we're talking about knowing what you're good at, mm. yep, delegating to others mm-hmm. what they are good at mm-hmm. because it is a team effort. And if we could take some of those lessons mm-hmm. that we have at the office mm-hmm. <laughs> and apply them to our home life and our parenting life, yeah, it would be. It would be great for everyone.
0: No, I totally, I totally feel that because I, the, my problem is, is that if I say yes, I'm going to give 150%. And, and especially when it deals with my children, and what's going to happen is something else is going to fail and fall because you can't be everywhere all at once. And, and I, I really hate that. Like, I really absolutely hate the fact that I can't do everything that I want to do. And I was talking with my therapist last year sometime. And, um, it was kind of like in the, I guess it was in the, the spring we were talking about running for national board of NACE and it's something I always wanted to do. And, you know, but I was in the middle of a really busy season. I was, I was teaching that entrepreneurship class, which was kicking my ass at the time, but I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And all of these things were going on. Like speaking was really starting to pick up. I felt like that first quarter was yeah. like insane and I remember telling Sam, I was like, I really want to do this. And he's like, you're going to have to give something up. And I was like, but what do I give up? Like, I love all of it. Like, I love everything I do. I love the responsibilities I have. There's there's not anything that I do every day that I'm like, I would love to, to walk away from. And, yeah. and she was like, well, that's a really beautiful problem to have. And I was like, yeah, but it's a problem. <laughs> like, it It's a real a problem, problem, you know? And so she just said, what can you do to, the, to your ability that you know you're going to do well because she said you're gonna you're gonna say if you say yes to all these things something's gonna have to give and it's going to bother you and it's going to make it worse because you are someone who can't do something half-assed and so you're gonna get into this she's like she's like I've been there for a while she's like I've seen you in that state where you can't forgive yourself for the small things and the little things and so she's like what can you do to that, to the level that the expectation that you have for yourself and can you do it well? And those are the things that you can say yes to and everything else. You're just going to have to say, you don't say no. It's just like, this isn't the right time. You know?
1: Yes. I was going to say, it's not right now. Right. Right. It's like when I wrote, because you and I have had some conversations. So I am the immediate past president of WIPA International and which I was president two years. I've been on for eight years and you and I have had some thoughtful conversation about that. And when I moved to immediate past, there were some really great opportunity. People who've been kind of waiting and said, "Okay, how about this? How about that?" I, hadn't, I you know, I said yes to the Allied Council of NSBWP, but um, there, and that was an immediate yes because we'd been kind of waiting for that. But there's another group that I'm going to start next year with them, and because it, it's not no, it was just I, I still am beholden to what I'm doing with it. It, it. So you're right, I love that because you do have to think about that. I don't think we talk enough about. In general, in our industry, which I know we're, this is open to everyone, but in the event industry, associations, things like that, I mean, that's a whole other job, right? And so people have to really decide. Like, it's only until recently, I was the first working mom with young kids to be whipper president in maybe over a decade, if ever, because it was never, and our VP went on maternity leave. You know, we had to build this because we have these great people and we have to work around the parameters, you know? I think that's the hardest thing because in so many circles that I'm in,
0: professional circles, I am like one of few. I am an entrepreneur and yep. a mother or a parent. Yep. Like just, just parenting in general. And you have parents. all these people yeah. and they are entrepreneurs, but they're not parents. And not that there's anything wrong that my life is not harder. I don't, it's not more stressful. I don't think that at all. Sure. But it's really hard to relate sometimes when you're on that completely different, like, Phase of life, I would say.
1: I find I don't have that struggle. I have a struggle. And again, maybe it's where I live. I have a struggle relating to parents who don't work, who just are home all, or they work like five hours a week. Like we just don't have some, there's a huge thing we don't have in common. So I actually, so it's interesting. It's all the same at the end of the day. We don't all share, but uh, the entrepreneurs, it's not as much of a struggle for me. It's the the parent friends. It's just like it's really hard to like. We just don't get each each other, you know, yeah. personality wise. Yeah,
0: I totally agree with that. I mean, I think it's just, it, and and I think what I hate about it is we have been taught that if you don't understand somebody, it means you disagree, and that's not necessarily yeah. what it is. I don't disagree with your choice of life. I just don't fully understand it, and I and sometimes I'm like I wanna I wanna understand. I wanna get to know you more. I wanna like. Like, think about this life. What is this life that you have? Like, you're not thinking about lunches on Sunday night, right? You know, I can't tell you how many Sunday nights I'm like at 9 p.m. making lunches for the week because it's the only way my kids are going to get packed lunches is if I do it on Sundays because my mornings are so busy, right? You look at it, you're like, what is this life? Or you don't have to worry about this. We were not literally a chauffeur. You don't go through two tanks of gas a week because you're driving back and forth to all the activities and school and you know, your calendar is like a literal Tetris, like of how to get everything in, yeah. you know.
1: Let's, let's get you on electric girl first. Yeah. <laughs> I'm electric now. So I don't even worry about gas, right? I was like, but no, no, we do have to charge a lot. Mm-hmm. So no, I get that it, it's in. And if I may say, I think it's great to have the attitude of like, I want to get to know you more. But what I think is interesting is, can we get to know each other more and create space for each mm-hmm. other within parameters that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it goes back to, me and my, I do get along with parents, but I get along better with the working parents. And it's because none of them are like, oh, yeah, you want to get together at three? I was like, yeah, do you want to pay my hourly rate to get together at three? <laughs> Why would you think I'm available at this odd hour? You want to go have drinks by the pool at noon? I mean, if it was 1957, yeah, maybe I would, but I don't. <laughs> so there has to be a mutual understanding that we've got to create, like, if we want to get to know each other, it, we both have to create space mm-hmm. for each other to understand that our worlds are different, you know? I totally understand that. Yeah. So valid.
0: <laughs> I really want to kind of circle back a little bit and talk because I feel like you have a really good handle on on like this. We kind of touched on like this mom guilt, right? Because I think it's where um, I struggle the most. And I, I give this um, talk about work-life balance and really how it's kind of, it's not really balanced. It's not 50-50 because that's not real life. As you said, like even with your partner, it's not 50-50 and your home life and your work is not 50-50. And yep. I always start off with the story about Henry. I'm going to try not to cry because I cry every time I say it. And I'm just, I don't Aww. know. But um, Henry was born. The day Henry was born was the day the county said, yes, we could build the Bradford. And we were supposed to be at this meeting. Obviously, we couldn't go because I was in labor. And um, our real estate agent had to stand up for us and say, yes, they're going to follow the rules. Like, I'm their you know, advocate, whatever. And And that just started this roller coaster ride, right? It's like a year of just stressing about finances, trying to find financing, getting the, the building right. Like the architecture drawings, whatever. And then it was construction. And I have like no memories of Henry, like until the age of two, like I can see a picture and I can remember a moment from a picture, but I don't have the same memories I have of my daughter. Like, I don't have that same, like, just, you know what I'm saying? And it is, like, the the biggest I told you I'm going to cry about it—and deepest regret of my life. Like, truly the biggest and deepest regret of my life. And I have, I think, for years have felt guilty about that because you can't take it back. Like, you can't—there is no do-over. You can't go back in time. And all you want to do is prove yourself now and make the memories now and change— You know, it was a it was a wake up call, honestly, of like this is not how I want to live my life. This isn't how I wanna raise my children, this isn't how I want my memories to go. And I don't want to have this deep regret about their entire life. Um, but I still it's still a struggle. Like I still have a hard time with it. Like, you know, that I don't have those same, I don't know, moments. Oh, that is tough. It's about forgiving
2: yourself and crediting yourself Mm -hmm. for Accepting the wake up call and changing. Mm-hmm. But life, life is never, <laughs> even if you do everything right, something can happen that is out of your control. Mm-hmm. That might be one of those moments. <laughs> it was, I mean, in my, and when my daughter was born, I had a very traumatic entry into motherhood as well. I did spend the first six months of, Um, of her life with me, but I was basically working on a computer with her, Mm -hmm. you know, nursing at the same time for those first six months. And then I got divorced. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I I literally can't even, I can't remember the day I gave birth Mm -hmm. because it was so traumatic and because of what was happening with my husband at that time. So I, and I, I feel terribly guilty about that. And I I literally can't think about it. It's like a blockage. So I can relate. (laughs) Slightly different reasons, but I guess the point is, is that whether it's work or parenting or just external forces that happen in life, things do happen. And all we can do is be in the present and take power of how we are living it now and how we are spending time with our loved ones now. So... Props to you
1: Same
2: to you, <laughs> <laughs> for, for recognizing, recognizing that
0: tomorrow.
2: and
1: yeah, and No, every, changing it. you know, listen, there's this video of Oliver right before he turned two. He loved Elmo, right? Loved Elmo. I mean, Melmo. We called him Melmo. And just, he had a million Elmo birthday, parties. he just loved it. And there's this video right before he turns two. And he walks in the door. No, I walk in the door with Elmo balloons. And he goes, Melmo! I mean, like, so excited. I love it. I would give anything to continue to always have that memory. I never want to forget. Get it? I've got that video, but I got to tell you, for those first two years, there's a lot of shit. I would, I would be fine forgetting. So you got to be kind to yourself because in those first two years, I didn't know you, but I bet there are a lot of sleepless nights and terrible nursing moments. It sounds like we had mutual things going on. There's a lot like we romanticize those early years. And I wish you had those memories. I don't, I want to validate what you're saying, but I would also say don't romanticize that time too much though, because there's a lot of shit. I would not, I would be like, you know what? I, if I could just not remember the sleepless nights and the crying over him because I couldn't produce enough and, and the formulas and the poop all over the walls. And like, there are one time Oliver's he only blew out once, but it was like, How did poop get everywhere? So my my thing is for you. I agree with everything Jenna's saying, but I also want to say let's not romanticize those first because there's huge chunks of time you're probably doing yourself a favor. (laughs) (laughs) Shitty times. That's what I say. I talk to small business owners. They have babies, and I'm like, a lot of it sucks, right? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, it's it's okay because. For you, Dana, I mean, that's something I know you need, you want to, and you'll need to work through. I hope my humor doesn't like downplay what you're feeling, but it is true. There's chunks of shit that if we could all just not remember it, that'd be kind of great. But, but, um, think of how that served as a catalyst to like make you the mom you are today. If you hadn't experienced that, I'm sure you would have been a great mom still, right? Like you absolutely would have been, but it turned you into the mom you were supposed to be. So I hope there's some feeling of like, well, that sucks that happened to me. But who knows? Some of those memories come back down
0: the road. Yeah. I do agree with that. I think that it's, like I said, it was like this moment of, and I I think I went really deep into the other side of it where then I was like, I'm going to be the super parent and I'm going to do all the things and I'm going to be the room mom in preschool and I'm going to pick them up every day and I'm going to have like throw these amazing parties and you know all of these things that like i just just to kind of try to make up for and then that was not realistic and or sustainable in any way shape or form We're super active, right you know but it's for me it's finding what is it that i feel like i could be present with my kids when i can't be present with my kids and as silly as this sounds and i've already mentioned it it's it's literally i packed them lunch and i don't pack them a sandwich i pack them a meal every every day every week they pick a they pick like a meal so they can have like uh, mini pizzas, taco salad, they have uh, tomatoes and mozzarella balsamics, uh, whatever. They have chicken salad, like all of these different like menu items that I know Dang, I can make Anna. on Sunday night. <laughs> That's awesome. And can make it to Friday. And, mm-hmm. and everyone like makes, like Courtney makes fun of me for it and she's like, oh, you're just such an overachiever. I was like, well it's just, I don't get to see them every day. So for me, it's like when they open their lunch and they know that I took time on it Like Mm -hmm. it is like meaningful. And I'm like, and they're like, oh, my mom loves me. My mom did this thing for me. You know what I mean? Like, that's so
1: sweet. I don't know if they think
0: that, but you know.
1: Well, it's, it's your part of staying connected with them. Yes.
0: Yes. Is there something that you do, both of you, that like, this is how I can be present when I'm not always present?
2: Oh yeah. And I, I split custody with my ex-husband. So I feel you on that. Um, I write little notes in Cece's lunchbox mm-hmm. every day. And if I don't, if I forget, she will t- She
1: will call me out on it. <laughs> she loves those little notes. That's so sweet. I love that. What about you, know, you, Megan? For us, it's a couple things. So like you, I travel. I mean, I, there are times, and I over-travel. Like the first quarter of the year, I was gone for 30 days total. I, I can never repeat. Really, oh, it was awful. It was, oh, it was amazing and awful at the same time. So, so it is hard balancing with all that. There's a few things for me. One, it, it's like you, it's making sure that the needs are met for the week. And I, I know like, it doesn't mean as much to him, you know, when things seem seamless, but you know, there's effort behind it. So, you know, for you, you've got your Sunday night packing. I do all of the. If I make everyone pancakes on Sundays, I don't know what it's about Sundays. I will triple batch it and then freeze batch it like just to make sure the family's taken care of while I'm gone. You know, it's like Again, the dining room tables, the me some place just to make sure their needs are met. It is kind of my love language, but I would say there's two two things I hold close. One, bedtime. Like I he eventually lands with me, we'll read or something that I always know I have that, right? It's kind of nutty this week with our hours being different, so I am working odd hours but then it gives us time to be together. He and I also wake up earlier than my husband. So we have a little bit of time this morning. I was was working, but he's playing his electric guitar with his headphone. Like we're just together, you know, but I would also say too, um, so ever since Oliver was born, we were, we love sleeping in on weekends back in the day. That was our thing. Right. And Travis and I promised to each other that when we had Oliver, we would still alternate and someone would sleep in Saturday and Sunday, unless we have events and people thought we were nuts. And 10 years later, we still do it. We still do. It. And maybe the parent gets up at like eight 30, grabs a coffee and does something And That's great. But we still do it 10 years later, uh, you know? And so on Sunday mornings, I have Oliver and we go to climbing. We sometimes will go to breakfast. So, because I know I have these pockets of special time with him, I, I, the guilt goes away relatively about the other stuff. You know what I mean? Because he's getting older. He doesn't want me in his face all the time either. You know?
2: <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That, that resonates with me too. My daughter is very quality time. We also do very long bedtimes and I'll let her ask any questions she wants. Mm. And then on our weekends together, I always, I like to check with her. She loves to know what's happening. She wants to be included in the plans. And a lot of times, she just wants the quality time, just the two of us, and requests that. So I I I honor that. that. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. It's, I guess, looking ahead to those pockets of time. And like you, Dana, it's also, I think you you and I both probably have that taking care of our, I'm sure we all do, but you know, that is one of my love languages is like the action of doing things for others. So yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that. Me too. I know. I love that our kids still love to be around us and I hope it stays that way. And I think I, obviously they're going to go through like times and they're just like, oh, mom, but yeah. like, I think at the core of it, the relationship building that we're doing right now with them is going to sustain through and, you know, might just be a little rough patch here or there, but they'll come back and love yeah. spending time with us still. I'm manifesting it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Right. Those that team. Teen- <laughs> and now we're kind of in this almost preteen tween situation, but the other thing is too, we're, so I only have the one, right. And we, we are a unit of three period like you know we move through this life together we and and i think we just really prioritize time with each other on weekends when we can and and things like that that was one of the week reasons that you know i i was i felt compelled to do create a life where i didn't have to work every weekend right because i did for a long time and i give a ton of credit to anyone who's in the events space of course anyone who has a, really people who work in hospitals and fire people and all this stuff who have to work weekends, I, I I give it to them all the credit. But for me, I chose to create something that allowed me to to have that time, you know, bad. Yeah.
2: It sounds like all of us have really close relationships with our kids. And um, I often think about how insightful kids can be. And sometimes they can see things that maybe, maybe we know deep down, but haven't really articulated ourselves. Yeah. Do either of you have any teachable moments where your your child actually said something to you that made you have an epiphany about the way you're living your
0: life or working yeah, that's a great question. I think for me it was Ada because she's so much more perceptive than Henry Henry is very much lives in his own aloofness of a world <laughs> sounds a boy thing but um I, she had to have been maybe about... She might've been like 10, like nine or 10 ish. And it was kind of that season of life where we were starting to scale back a little bit. Like I wasn't doing as many like weekends and, um, I was around a little bit more cause there'd be times like we started the business, like where I was gone every weekend from March to July, every single weekend, like without fail. Um, which is tough. And then even if I wasn't gone both days, I would have to recover on Sunday and I'd be so tired and exhausted that I couldn't parent or be present or anything. And so this was like a season of time where I was around more and um, she looked at me and she was like, she's like, I, she's like, I really love seeing you. Like, she's like, I really love this time. And, and it's not that we didn't enjoy our time together before, but it was the realization of I was being more present. I was, I was there. I was paying attention to what she she was saying. I wasn't sure. I wasn't impatient. And she was just kind of like, it's like, she, it was like this moment where she looked at me and she like for the first time really saw who I was like as a person, not yeah. as a frazzled, stressed out parent. Cause I feel like that's the parent they got a lot of the times. And it was that moment I was like, oh my gosh, like I I have to show up differently. I love that. I have to show up differently. Yeah.
1: They're so wise. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I think I over concern about my travel, as I mentioned. So I'm a mm-hmm. speaker. Um, I tried to limit it to once a month, but with WIPA, that just took so much. Like I'm in Park City for four days next week, mm-hmm. which sounds more glamorous. If you saw my flight schedule, you would know it is not, but <laughs> but <laughs> it's awful, the flights. But um, I thought it was traumatizing all of it, like me being away and I'm here, there and everywhere, even though I set them all up for success, everything. And once we've had some conversations and I projected on him that it was awful that mama was gone for three days because she had, I was like, nah, it's fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was fine. Like, it was. It's him and data. We call him Data. He he's called Travis Data since he was nine months old. So Data. Aww. It's. Tra- I know. I don't get it, but that's what it is. In in its data, Travis and Data time, and they they do dinner on the couch. They do all the thing. You know what I mean? It's a little more chaotic, and he enjoys that time with Oliver. And once he was old enough to kind of project that, I could forgive myself for mm-hmm. the travel because mm-hmm. I look at the travel and think. I have to travel to build the business so that it can continue to be sustainable and give me you know this runway to have time off in the summer with him and be room parent. So I kind that's how I get rid of the parent guilt pretty quickly. As I look at that 30,000 you, I got to do this to do this which is more important than this. And he, yeah there were a couple of things he said and it realized to me that no he's not traumatized if I go to guitar as as I say, come back with like a gift, you know, right. fine, <laughs> but totally. Not, I see, yeah. So those are the things once he got old enough to kind of, I realized I was projecting being like, well, isn't it, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't say it like this, but like, isn't it traumatic if I'm gone for three? He's like, <laughs> no, he's fine. like he's totally fine. And Travis reminds me too. He's like, you built it. So we would be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good one.
0: <laughs> yeah, That's a really good one.
1: What about you? Do you have one? When you thought oh, about that? Oh,
2: for sure. I feel like there's so many. The one that's, that is popping into my head, though, is there was definitely a phase where I was overworking. And Cece recognized it. I knew it. Mm-hmm. Of course. We know it. Mm-hmm. But she, she it, it became to where we would be doing our bedtime routine. And she'd say, Mommy, are you going downstairs to work tonight? Mm-hmm. I guess you have to go leave now and go work. And then... That kind of shifted to her almost advising me mm-hmm. over time, Mom, you really shouldn't be working tonight. Mm-hmm. I think you need to go to bed. You should just go to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, wow, if she can recognize that, this little six-year-old, right? then I think I think
0: there's something to it. <laughs> For sure, yeah. I'd, you don't think your kids notice that stuff. Yeah, I know. But they do. They do. They do. And as they get older, they feel— They feel different things too, so they they may not notice. um, Like they can feel tension, like they can feel your energy. Sure. And so, as what I've noticed as the kids have gotten older, is they can tell the moment I walk in that door. Like, did you like if I had a good day or a bad day, or if I had a stressful day, or if I'm like super tired or whatever. And and they can feel that tension. And so sometimes it's like a course correct of um, which I've I've taken, gotten to the habit of is if I've had those moments. I'll, and I could see it like, cause you could see it on their face, like, because they care about me and they love me. And they're just like, they want, they come up and they give me a hug and they're like, you know, did you have it? Like they're, they're talking softer, right? They recognize it. Yeah. And so I've gotten to the habit where when those moments happen, I'm like, you know what? I need 30 minutes. Cause I don't have a commute. I have a five minute commute. So I don't have them. I don't have time to decompress in the car. Like I am going from like crazy to crazy, like instantaneously. So I'll like I need 30 minutes. I'll just take 30 minutes in my room, close my door, do what I need to do, center myself and be able to come back downstairs and be a person. Yeah. Um, if I can. Sometimes you can't. I mean, sometimes you're just on when you're on, right? That's yeah.
2: which just yeah. like being a working mom, I think that is a really great thing to model mm. for your kids. Yes. Yeah. And to mm-hmm. that same point, if I'm sad, if I'm stressed, I'll be honest with with yeah. Cece and I tell her, I'm sad. It's okay. Sometimes we're sad or Work was hard today, but I just, yeah, I need a moment. And then she usually asks some sort of insightful question. (laughs) But I think that's good. She she knows I do therapy. She knows I need a moment sometimes. Um, I want her to feel confident as she gets older that self-care is something we all have to deal with. And
1: sure. Put the feelings out there. Let them know it's okay. None of us are perfect when I I. I've done spot checks with therapists over many, many years. And during the pandemic, I was at like this new level of stress. I think we all were. For different reasons. And there was a point where, and it really wasn't, even though I was putting in about 90 hour weeks at the beginning, because crisis is needs PR. And so I was in the throes of it and, and grateful for the work, but it was just awful. But really what it came down was virtual school with Oliver having an IEP. I became his IEP. So I sat next to him 8 AM to 1 PM every day, every single day I sat with him in that stress. And I only, I became his, his, I wasn't his teacher. He his, his wonderful. Shout out, Miss Blanchetti. Amazing teacher, right? I, I love her to the ends of days for everything she did for him. But I became this role of literally just being like this school mom to him because then I had to go to work and I had to go to think because he and I one day just yelled at each other, like and I never raised my voice at him, and we just ah, felt very good for both mm-hmm. of us, but I was like, okay. <laughs> That doesn't seem like something we should ever do again, you know? And and I had to work through that stress, but I was very honest, just like you guys, very honest about the fact, yes, I was talking with someone. Yes, we're working on it, you know? We're all a work in progress. Yeah.
0: I love that. Well, um, this has been wonderful, and so insightful. And I wanna end on a question that uh someone asked me one time and I was like I don't know how to answer that question. Maybe you can answer, answer better than I <laughs> Oh,
1: good. So yeah. Now it's on me. <laughs>
0: it's on <Perfect>. you. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, they said, how do you show up as the best version of yourself every day? Like, what do you do so you can show up as the best version of yourself every day?
1: I protect my time. That's what I do. I am deeply protective uh, I see time as my number one currency. I am not my best when I'm exhausted. I'm not my best when I do X, Y, and Z. I am my best when I have time in the, if I build in time in the morning to like with the summer camp, work early, get everything prepared. I am my best coming to at the time recording a 9am recording with you guys because of all the ways I protected the early part of my day. And I will continue to be good for when Oliver comes home and all those things. So I would say, drawing, I have very people, anyone will tell you, I I have very strict boundaries about the meetings I take and how I'm communicated to and how I communicate with others. And it's a very, it's a, it is a challenge every day, but I always protect my time so I can be my best self for a lovely podcast host or set of podcast hosts for when I pick up my kiddo at camp later today. It's just unapologetically, I will. Turn down meanings. I will say I say no a lot more than people realize.
0: Hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Rama.
1: Yeah. That's great.
0: Well, thanks so much for being here. If you just want to take a few minutes, tell people how they can find you um, and yeah. reach out they wanna.
1: Thank you so much. No, this has been great and cathartic. I'm like, Good. I like I'm talking <laughs> with you guys because I feel like I learned a lot from you guys. So I appreciate that. Um, You can always find me at OFDconsulting.com. That will take you everywhere else. My email's on there, Instagram OFDconsulting. I mean, if you find me over at TikTok, I'm literally just watching cat videos and like videos for AI prompts. So like, don't don't find me over there. Like not yet, (laughs) not until I become clever. (laughs) But that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Megan. Thank you for having me.
0: To learn more about our hustles, visit us on the gram at CND Events, at the Bradford NC, at anthem.house, and at hustle and gather. And if you're interested in learning more about our speaking, training, or venue consulting, head to our website at hustleandgather.com. And to learn more about my hustle,
2: visit us on Instagram at Heart of NC Weddings. Plus, our parent company, Triangle Media Partners, publishes lots of local, community magazines and guides and has a digital agency. So to learn more about that, find us online at
0: trianglemediapartners.com. And if you love us and you love this show, we'd be more than honored if you left a rating and a review. This podcast is a production of EarFluence. I'm
2: Jenna. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle & Gather.